Hey, y'all, before we get started on this episode, we just wanted to acknowledge the passing of Stephen Twitch Boss. He was the former DJ and co-executive producer of the Ellen DeGeneres show. And although he wasn't mentioned in this episode, Rory and I just wanted to pay our deepest respects to his family and his friends. Also, a small disclaimer that there is a section in this episode where we allude to sexual abuse. And although it is very brief, we wanted to make sure that we had a disclaimer right here in case that was a trigger for you. Ellen generous. <laughs> God, I was scared just now. <laughs> Why? Uh, you sounded really creepy. It's my announcer voice. It this is. is my uh, this is my day drunk hillbilly voice, and this is my announcer <gasps> voice. Are you day drunk right now? No, but it's just I sound, <laughs> it's my natural sounding voice. Do you remember the first time you and I talked? Nope. You slid into the DMs and you, you said to me? You up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You said, hey, I've really been enjoying your content, yada, yada. You sound like if Reba McIntyre and Ellen had a baby. Oh, is that <laughs> what a good line. It was hilarious. Didn't know who you were, but you were... You just, you complimented me because I am the biggest Ellen DeGeneres fan and I'm going to try very, very hard to objectively look at her life and pull out nuggets without just like saying everything that's perfect about her. I'm a fan. Like, it's hard not to be a fan because she's, she's, she's funny and she's, I think, harmless. That, but, but she has, I mean, there's been a lot of controversy, a lot of loss, a lot of tragedy. There's a lot we're going to pull out of her life because it, it, on surface level, it's like, oh, Ellen, he, 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 he. But when you really get down to it, there's some shit in that background. I didn't realize it. Like doing all the research for this thing, I didn't, I, I found, I found some stuff and I'm looking forward to unpacking it. Ellen Lee DeGeneres, born January 26, 1958 in Louisiana. Ellen started performing stand-up comedy in small clubs and coffee houses, and by 1984, she was named Showtime's Funniest Person in America. From the late 80s to mid-90s, she did what every comic tried to do around that time, is develop a TV show. She had a bunch of pilots and even some starring roles, but they ultimately got cancelled. Not until she created her own show, Ellen, which featured the infamous Coming Out episode where she came out of the closet on the show and in real life to Oprah Winfrey. The show got canceled the next season, but turns out it was for the best because five or six dark and depressing years later, she launched the daytime television show, The Ellen DeGeneres Show. It ran from 2003 to 2021. She would appear on other shows like American Idol and host game shows. After a 15-year hiatus from stand-up, she would release a new special called Relatable on Netflix. Today, she is sitting pretty with her wife, Portia Del Rossi, coming up with her next amazing project idea or charity to contribute to. Forbes estimates her net worth at $370 million and one of the most powerful women in the world. All right. So Ellen DeGeneres, um, born in Louisiana and got some Louisiana gumbo, some good stuff. She's raised a Christian scientist. I don't know if you know that. How did Ellen lose her accent, but you cannot seem to shake it? Because I hold on to it for dear life. I've actually been advised multiple times that I need to work on it because I'm not going to get hired to do a lot of things because it limits me. It definitely wouldn't hire you. Yeah. So her dad was an insurance salesman. Her mom was a speech therapist, but they divorced. They got divorced. Mm -hmm. And mom yes. remarried to a dude who was a uh, salesman and they moved to Texas, but she had a brother and his name was... Vance. Vance. He's a musician and a producer. Vance stayed with uh, his dad, though, in Louisiana. At least that's what I read. And Ellen moved with her mom. And I don't have much about her childhood. I have a little bit about her as a teenager. Do you have anything about her childhood that you wanted to add? They were raised as Christian scientists. What is that? 
I'm going to jack this up. First Christian scientist I ever met was in, it was in Louisiana. It sure was. It was when Hurricane Katrina happened. I was working, I used to do disaster relief and we went down to Louisiana to you do anything for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was a, I was staying at a, a military base and I was kind of camped in. There were these tents and all that stuff. I was camped in with a bunch of Christian scientists. And they tried to explain everything to me, and I really didn't get it. It was like a mix of, guess what, science and Christianity. From what I understand, they don't believe in medicine or going to the doctor. And I don't think celebrating a lot of holidays and stuff. What is the difference between that and Scientology? Maybe that's what I was thinking of. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I remember, I like the Scientology, the title alone, it, it adds a little science and psychology into, into the same things that the, the, the Bible preach, but just more of a um, tactical method, I believe. I don't know. But anyways, she was a Christian scientist. You know, I, I didn't know she had a brother, honestly, and I didn't know anything about his career, but apparently he's in the same industry as her. I think she had a really tough teenagehood. If that's the word. I know she said that her stepfather was horrible and we're not going to go too much into it, but um, she was abused by him quite a bit. Her mom, she went to her mom about it and um, mom didn't believe her, um, which is the story in a lot of these cases. I know later on she said, I think it was on David Letterman, that looking back, she wishes she would have taken better care of herself instead of trying to protect her mom. I uh, guess I guess it was hard for her to come to her mom about that stuff. I can see that because yeah. it's her mom's boyfriend or new husband. I forget which husband. one it was, but it's it's hard yeah. to speak ill of someone that, uh, that they love. That, maybe that that was the the, the trigger to uh, the path of comedy. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I know later on, I didn't dig too much into it. You know, her mom now is uh, still in her life and an activist in the L LGBTQ community and so forth. So hopefully that relationship was mended. But obviously it was really hard. And um, Ellen didn't really know what she wanted to do after school. It said that she did a lot of different jobs. And there was even a quote where she said after school, she had no ambition. She didn't know what she wanted to do. Uh, I think she sold vacuum cleaners at one point and so forth. So she's just kind of moseying on along until one day, apparently, she was on stage or speaking or in front of some people for some reason. And uh, she noticed that her humor was something that calmed her nerves and connected with people. So she's like, well, shoot fire. Let's let's try this. She said it just like that, too. She's in like, She's terrified. It's like self-therapy for some. I, I, that's the stereotype is like all comics are somehow damaged and they gravitate to humor to turn that frown upside down. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I don't, we don't have much on her childhood before we move into her career. And there's a lot to say about her career. But I think overall, obviously, takeaway, and I, I don't want this to get too dark and deep and all of that. But I think there's just a... Um, I mean, I've had personal experience and a lot of stuff happen. I mean, everybody has, especially females, where you have to really stick up for each other and pay attention, even if it does inconvenience you or hurt you or if it's unbelievable. I think people need the freedom to be able to share more what What's going on in their lives without the fear that they're not going to be taken seriously. Heavy takeaway, but no, but you're right, and, and that's what everyone is saying these days, and I, I agree with it. But in your opinion, why? What is it that is it shame? Like, what is it that keeps the secret inside? It's embarrassing. Is it? Of course, it is. I mean, if you think about, that's the, I, I'm asking. I don't. I don't. I'm thirty. Six. I had to think about it for a minute. I'm 36 and I feel like I am just now starting to get 
comfortable in my skin and, and so forth. When you're especially a, a little girl or a teenager in your young 20s and all that stuff, you are so freaking insecure. To your point, there's so much shame wrapped around that, that talking about it is embarrassing. You feel gross. You feel like maybe you did something wrong. I mean, there's a variety of reasons. Um, also fear. I mean, there's a lot of fear of like, what is, are people going to believe me? Or am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to be accused? I mean, there's, God, we can go down a whole rabbit hole with that. But I think the point is when you have a, also not just believing people, asking people, you know, if you're a parent and stuff like that, I talk to my girls on the regular. I don't care if you're five years old, we're talking about stuff. Like they know, they know, they know some things um, because we've got to normalize it instead of back in the day, we don't talk about X, Y, Z. Hell no. It's two, it's 2022. 20, we talk about shit. Speaking Beep. of normalizing, I guess this is a appropriate Ellen episode because she uh, seemed to uh, be good at that kind of thing. We good at what? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> Yeah, what happened? Do you have any? Do you have any takeaways? I mean, looking at this, I, I was shocked. It was, it's a traumatizing childhood that I I can't relate yeah. to. I feel for her. The most adversity I ever went through was one time a guy stole my bike in spin class. Uh, we all gravitate to comedy to put a laugh on something. I don't have the same story she does, and I'm glad that she is. Uh, <laughs> you know, is where she is now in spite of her, her past. It is also too interesting that. I was shocked when she said that I had no ambition as a young person and didn't know what she wanted to do because to see the product of that later on of what she's been able to build. I mean, she's in the top, I think 10% of paid entertainers in the world or top 10 paid entertainers in the world. And so she didn't come popping out of the womb being like a type A badass overachiever. She kind of just made the right decisions moving forward. Speaking of moving forward, her career, what did she do when she found out she was a little humorous and people started to giggle when she talked? She decided to uh, lean into the funny. All right. So for myself, <laughs> instead of beating a guy to death on the spin class, I decided to tell jokes in nightclubs for the next 10 years. I know she did transition into like open mics like everybody does and, and performing at coffee shops. I can see how that transition would be seamless because she's even her comedy or stand-up comedy is very uh, goofy. Like it's not as if it's like stand-up or you know set up punchline kind of thing. It's just it's very like her being her and like leading into the energy of the comedy. If she's backed into a corner, I feel like that, yeah, that's her superpower is is silly. That's what I love about her is it's. A, she's clean. I love that. I love that she's actually really funny and she doesn't have to say fuck every two seconds to get people to laugh nervously. But also she's able to take like the most silly, small little things and just through her body language all that. Like I know in the early days she said, and you've probably heard this bit where she was like ran into the the coffee shop or whatever and she had a hamburger. Did you hear about this? No. Yeah, so she like literally got up on stage, had the hamburger. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so late. You know, I was preparing. About, I hope you all don't mind on the way. I stopped here. I had to get something to eat or whatever. So she got takes her bag of hamburger and she pulls it out. She's like, I've just been so hungry. It's just the craziest day. And you're not going to believe what happened. I just, I got a lot to tell you, but hold on just a second. When she just like take the bottom of it, then she starts slipping. She's like, I'm sorry. Just give me just a second. I'm starving. I can't believe this. And she sits there and she literally the whole five, 10 minutes she's on stage, just stuffing her face. I'm so sorry. I'm so hungry. Let me just finish this up or whatever. And then she wops her mouth and she's done. She's like, all right, well, I guess it'll be all for me tonight. And she gets off and that's it. <laughs> That's it. That's the, the confidence to get up and do stuff like that, where she uses her 
quirkiness to capture people. No punchline. It no is. Punch that's, that, yeah, it's hard to do. And it's like, it, I guess she was one of the original alt comics, I suppose. What's an alt comic? Oh, I don't know. One that's not a traditional stand up or uh, set up and punch. I don't even oh. know. <laughs> just, you know, they go, yeah. I, um, I've never heard of that. That's interesting. There's before her kind of big break or whatever, I know she started getting a lot of attention. Do you know about like the tragic event with her girlfriend and what happened when she was performing? No, do tell. She obviously spoiler alert, y'all. She's gay. She likes women. So what? sorry to sorry to sorry to bust that you know news to you too soon. But I'm going to the wrong website here. What the heck's going on? I'm telling place? you what, man. So she's performing at these clubs. She's doing her thing. Well, she has a girlfriend. Apparently, they get into a fight and break up before her performance that night. And so she's like, you know, the girlfriend's trying to talk to her and she's ignoring her, kind of blowing her off or whatever she goes in to perform. On the way there, the girlfriend, I guess, was supposed to be there or going or whatever. The girlfriend gets in a car accident and dies. How did I hear about this? I don't know. It's a really pivotal, 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 pivotal. Yeah. That's the one. That one point in Ellen's career because it just shifted something inside of her. She talks about it all the time when she lost her girlfriend. Um, I don't know if it made her more serious after that or or what, but she had an edge after. What was the nudge though? Like, what was the the aha moment? It's like I, they, the lesson. Like, I, I will never take things for granted again. Like, what is the? I don't know if I've heard her say. I know she just said that changed her. Um, this is all before the age of like, you know, 30, right? So she's gone through a lot before her, uh, a hundred percent. And you wouldn't know, this is what we were saying. You wouldn't know that watching her performance because it's almost childlike and innocent. But then when you really dig into her life, like I said, she just has a lot of trauma. A lot of it's a front though, right? I'm not saying it in her situation, but a lot of people, they develop that character as a self defense mechanism. Do you see it as a front or do you see it as a performance? Like this is my craft. Well, both. It's a, it's a, it's a craft and a performance, but it, it could, for some comics who've experienced trauma, it's, it's like a wall. It's like, if, if I put up this wall, you can't see the real me underneath. I feel like, and I mean this super respectful cause I don't judge her for it, but any interview I've heard of hers or anything, the wall to me is so there. The vulnerable, like I don't see, and I understand why we'll, we'll get into with how people treated her after she came out and stuff, but she doesn't get super vulnerable with people on camera. Yeah. And I think that's the luxury of these podcasts where if you talk for two hours, something's going to come out. Whereas if you're doing an interview on the tonight show, it's like seven minutes. You're going to talk about your new movie, your new show, whatever it is. You don't really get below the surface. She was on a uh, Dak Shepard uh, armchair expert, uh, oh, yeah. really good episode. And he, he usually gets people and she was a little bit, but like he, mentioned a couple of things about his own trauma or whatever. He's like, does any of that drive you? Do you, have you ever gotten over X, Y, Z? She's like, oh yeah, I've over it. I've, I've been healed. He just kind of left it at that. <laughs> but maybe she has, maybe she has. But anyways, uh, so her career, she's on coffee shop stages, eating hamburgers. She's leaning into her quirky. She goes to this traumatic thing. What happens next? Well, she starts doing what every comic does and tries to get a television show. She starts to do pilots okay she tries to, she's the, actually gets starring roles on some tv shows that inevitably go nowhere like most comics until the one that uh until one of them sticks and the one that stuck was one called ellen 
you missed when she appeared on the tonight show so she got her big debut this was a a big turning point in her career apparently she got a tip from jay leno and i don't know how she knew jay leno but apparently she knew jay leno somehow about getting on johnny carson at the time johnny carson was everybody's dream kind of like saturday night live i don't know if that was later i don't know people always want to go on johnny carson it's it's all the same era, but Jay, Jay, they were both comics. That's why that's how they knew each other. I think it was before Jay had the obviously before Jay had the Tonight Show, so they must have been working the same clubs or something. Yeah, it was kind of like me and you. We just collabing underneath the radar yeah. before we hit it big. But she got on uh, Johnny Carson, and she was the very first female comic to ever get invited to sit on the couch. Which <laughs> sounds so creepy. <laughs> come sit on my couch but apparently whenever johnny liked you after he performed he'd be like come over here and sit with me and let's chat just a little bit and everybody wanted that and she was the first female he ever invited over come on goes. over come on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go she must have killed it then so back in that era if you killed on the tonight show the next day you were a pretty recognizable person that doesn't exist anymore but at that time i guess it worked out for her Something else big worked out for her, which you were about to allude to, um, but I don't want to skip over. I know you were in our pre little interview thing. You were going to skip over that she was in this movie called Mr. Wrong. Was that before the Ellen show or, or after the Ellen show? Um, Ellen not, not, show. Not the talk show, but like the her, her, her sitcom. 96 is when the show started, I think, and then 97 is when they did the coming out show. Okay. Well, Mr. Wrong was in 96. I just want to shout out Mr. Wrong. So you're saying... She played a heterosexual person in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's about this guy who's like perfect. And then he starts slowly turning crazy. And then she's trying to break up with him the whole time. And he won't let her. Not in like a stalker, creepy call 911 Jeffrey Dahmer type way, but more of like a this is going to be a really funny dinner story later. Anyway, I'm not going to watch this movie. So. <laughs> So she gets her sitcom because I think there's something to be, this is the first one where she actually had a creative, some serious creative input into it. Obviously the show is called Ellen. It's based on her. So, you know, this is the one that took off and uh, they did some seasons and the one, and then it peaked uh, in 1996 when they did the coming out episode. Before we get into the coming out episodes, that's the open a can of worms. I think that's the spoiler alert we're doing this show because we're trying to dissect and figure out how people make it doing their craft it's that's where the lines get so blurry of like okay i'm doing this stand-up bit i start getting traction i'm funny i get this you know break on johnny carson he creepily asked me to come over and sit on his couch like all this stuff playing and then i have a tv show and it just seems like it's that that happens and i haven't found a ton of information on any of the celebrities of like anything in between all of that it just seems like when you hit that one break everything snowballs from there what's to learn from that rory momentum right one thing one thing leads to the night uh let me think are you trying to give an inspirational quote it's like god let me try to think Dale carnegie said once <laughs> Dale carnegie said ye old carnegie uh no but it's true when it rains it pours right like i'm sure you've you've dealt with that kind of thing and then eventually the rain dries up and you gotta you gotta pray for more rain but <laughs> please don't become a motivational speaker <laughs> <laughs> let's just say she's she is okay but let's just say uh, nobody is very talented but no one's ever heard of them 
all you need is exposure. What was there? I had there. I used to say, <laughs> go with this mantra. It was like, it's either you're either not exposed enough or not good enough. And it can't be anything else. Right. So you could be an amazing person because no one's ever seen you until the opportunity, like a tonight show comes along. We're like, Oh my God, who is this person? Now she's got these opportunities. And the other case would be, uh, you're just not good enough. And so you can be exposed all you want, but no one's going to like what you're putting down. That's probably really the answer is usually. Yeah, so I should be a motivational speaker is what you're saying. Damn it. Okay. The coming out episode. So she said that there was just, it was really hard for her living quote, quote, in secret because I don't remember this time. I know you and I were alive and breathing and doing things, but it's culturally, it's so freaking different now than it was back then. I mean, now my kids don't even think they're like, Oh, uh, either he's going to have a husband or he's going to have a wife. Like they don't even think anything like it's normal. But at this time, it's hard to believe just 1996 people were not openly gay. And so she came and said, Hey, I want to come out. And the producers were not, they weren't on board with that. It was a different time for sure. But they even leaned into the heterosexual part. Like, Like, why would, she why would they cast her as mrs wrong <laughs> you know what i mean knowing like we all she didn't come out she hadn't come out yet but we we sort of knew right i don't think um, so i don't think people did know really i don't know i don't know either <laughs> i was too young to form an opinion back then but whether people knew or not it was something you just did not talk about and so even though when she came out on the episode it got a lot of support people were really happy about it except for advertisers those little things that we need to make that's what i thought when i read so yeah it the show was top of the ratings on the coming out episode and then it just plummeted the next season yeah they canceled it it was a really really dark and hard time for her because i mean can you imagine can you imagine busting your ass the way that she had finally getting everything that you wanted and all you did was just share this fact about yourself that affects no one and people immediately turn what would what do you think the negative impact of advertising would be what do you mean i i don't I, I'm trying to understand. I, I don't remember because it was 30 years ago. Uh, that okay. Say there's controversy. Uh, like say, like the Tiger Woods, for example. He he lost you know hundreds of millions of dollars in in sponsorships after his controversial thing. Um, I mean, Ellen was not. A, it wasn't a controversial thing by any means, but it was at that time. But, but was it? But it, there's negative connotation to it, or there was at the time. Like what? Like what? For advertising purposes, like what? product were, was being advertised to her before that would not have been able to after coming out? It's brands didn't want to be associated saying that they support someone who's homosexual. So if you can go on YouTube and if you put in Ellen DeGeneres and Oprah interview, there's people in the audience who get up on the microphone and start saying, I'm a Christian and I don't agree with this. And I don't believe it, blah, blah, blah. And just like, and that was the thing. Um, so it was, it was advertisers did not want to lose business or get under their own controversy because they supported a show that went against Christian values at that time. So they lost that Midwest audience, basically. Yeah. She lost everything, essentially. And also, too, um, 
it was getting covered a lot and people started making fun of her and she got a lot of good press, but she also got a lot of negative press. And that's all she started to be seen for was like a poster child for the gay community. And that wasn't something that she necessarily wanted. She just wanted to be a freaking comedian. <laughs> right? right. And so there was um, a couple of years, several years, I, I, I want to say five, six. I mean, it was a pretty good amount of time where she said the phone stopped ringing. Mm hmm. I remember her talking about this and I don't remember what interview or where it was, but didn't she, she took a few things that she regrets or was it just, she didn't do anything? I don't think she did much of anything for a few years. I know that, um, in 99, she did, uh, the comedy little bit with Matthew McConaughey, like you had mentioned earlier. That's the one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. She did a, if these walls could talk in 2000, where she did a love scene with Sharon Stone. I don't recall I need to Google, I need to Google that later. It's pretty yes. um, but it wasn't until 2003 where she was approached to host her own show. So what do you think sparked that in the eyes of Hollywood? Like, which I don't know where it came from or how it started, but so if advertisers canceled her six years prior and she was kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel movie wise, what do you think presented the opportunity to have the, what would become the biggest TV talk show ever? My guess is just a guess. It's just a natural cultural progression where, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, 30 years ago was a long time, but it's also not. And how we've shifted as a culture um, is just insane. So that's what, that would be my, my guess. I know there's a lot of, for instance, you need to fact check me on this, but I know I think it was Star Wars, um, Steven Spielberg. There were certain things that he wanted to do in episode one, two, and three that they didn't have the tech for back in the 80s, I guess, when they filmed it. So he intentionally saved those films to do later till he knew that tech could advance to support those films. So it's almost just like you might have the best idea. It, you might be the right person. The world hasn't caught up yet. That makes sense. So in 2003 or whenever the world had caught up at this point. So it's not whether are you good enough or you exposed enough. Has the world caught up to me enough? There you go. Is that how you feel about yourself? Definitely. That's my problem. <laughs> We're the funniest people ever. The world just doesn't know yet. Ellen DeGeneres show. Uh, you watch that? <laughs> you like it? I did. I mean, I did for a long time, but it's mm. after 20 something seasons or 19 seasons, I just, uh, I got busy. <laughs> I got busy. What do you think? I mean, that is a long ass time and it was so freaking successful. 64 daytime Emmys. Um, what do you think it was about that that really put her on the map? What was it? Because she is, is a likable person and, and she's very... That's it? Un, no, likable? but there's... Well, no, people enjoy watching her. She again, her comedy is clean. You know what I mean? You, you can watch her, her comedy and not... You can, with the reassurance that you're not going to get offended. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing with her show. She didn't get too political. She didn't really go off the rails or anything like that. It's just a very good show to watch if you want to. Uh, it was a fun show. I don't know. It puts people in a good mood. Like I don't I have nothing. Yeah. Then again, I can't think of another show during the day that <laughs> would be the opposite. But she's just got this great likability. And um, if you had to watch that or, okay, Jerry Springer would be another daytime show or whatever that around that time, right? Completely different demographics. One. Uh, tickles a different nerve than than Ellen. So Ellen was just uh, fulfilling whatever gap that was that was the opposite of all those, it's not my baby show or whatever. I, I, I don't understand why when you, the results have come in and you have become the father, 
What's <laughs> that? Have you not seen the show? Do you not know that the cameraman has his Nikes on? Like they always jump up and they're like, no, and they're like run off in the other room. Ah! And the cameraman just starts hiking after you. You're not hiding. So why do you run away? I don't know, but I know that they are paid to be on that show. And <gasps> I need a job. Folks... How do you go? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So if you're if you're desperate enough for cash, uh, you'll you'll go on the the old telly and and tell uh, tell all with your pregnancy test. <laughs> so Ellen obviously does the Ellen DeGeneres show. She does the voice uh, Dory in Finding Nemo. She starts doing award hosting. Uh, she starts really building herself as a. Would you consider her an A-list celebrity? I think I think I googled yeah. the other day what A-list and B-list was. I was a little confused about it, but she definitely top of the chain. This is weird, like thing with like movie star versus TV star. But I think Ellen kind of she'll navigate. You know, there's there's the TV star that is also a movie star. You know, I, and now we got TikTok stars. Oh my god, yeah, that's uh, I don't understand the world, but uh, yeah, she's an A-lister for sure. She marries Portia. Um, from Arrested Development. I love their relationship. I think it's amazing. They met in 2004. They've been married a long ass time, still married, still great partners. And um, I know I don't know Ellen, but I'm always just so happy that she's with somebody that it's worked out because through everything that she's been through and even what you're about to get into with some of the controversy with her show, at least she's had a really great partner to stand beside her. So back when her show got canceled, do you are you of the thought that like funny is funny, like no matter what the context is, or does are you talking like, about everything... canceling? No, not at all. Oh. I just think, I feel like okay, to go back to a scenario like like Louis C.K. or like Will Smith, kind of a weirdo these days. Can you appreciate the artist outside of whatever is happening in their personal life? That's really hard. And and this I is think... different because those were controversial. Then Ellen's yeah. sexuality was not. I don't know. So I. I I think it okay, depends well, I mean, on what it is, like is a, a, you know, and everybody has a different, it depends on what it is. And everybody has such a different gauge of that. You know, like what might be really hard for me to move past isn't a big deal for somebody else. And that's why it gets so messy because we all have our own little moral compasses that are all different. What we think is right and wrong. I guess so. So like if somebody is beating their wife and hurting kids and stuff, no, I can't separate the artist from their work because all I can see is that. And it's, I can't. Now, if somebody voted for somebody different than I voted for um, and maybe raises money and I don't know, does some things like that's not good in my eyes, but isn't harming someone. Yes, I think I can. I don't know. What about you? I, okay. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I guess it's dependent on the situation is what you're saying. And I mean, like I have friends who live differently and do different things and vote differently and all of that. Um, and they're my good friends. But when you start getting into stuff that you really believe harms and hurts people, then that's when it gets really, really hard. Well, let me throw this at you. She celebrated her 30 year class reunion by flying the graduating class to California to be guests on the show. This was in 2006. Would you do that or would you just extend invites and pay travel to all the people you liked and then the people that wronged you, you could get your own goddamn tickets? I would totally fly everybody because it would just be my sister. Thinks I was homeschooled my whole life. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what about you? I mean, are you able to separate the artists from like their personal life? Yeah, it would be situational, I suppose. Name an artist and I'll tell you if I can do that. 
I think Kanye West is a great example right now. He's somebody who's seen a bunch of sheets and he's incredibly talented, but by my God, my God. He's a bad example for me because I don't, I didn't really listen to his music much to begin with. But if we go back to like sports, for example. Yeah, I, I can appreciate Tiger. He's, he's still one of the best athletes, you know, on the planet or, or at least was. And so I can separate the athlete from the, the controversy. What was his controversy? He cheated, was it he cheated on his wife? Yeah. Or something? Yeah, with, oh. with like several folk, including a Denny's waitress. El, Ellen, Ellen. So, controversy this i think is a good lead-in because she started getting complaints towards the end of her show on on something well was it towards the end of the show it was during COVID. i think a lot of the complaints she was getting people like she's not she's not nice she's a mean and i think it had to do with like over the lockdown people didn't know whether they were going to get paid or what the heck it was so rumors got started and then other people started coming out of the woodwork it's like oh yeah i met her once she sucks i don't know yeah, it was it was her employees. Um, well, I think it's the it's the boss employee relationship. I think yep. if you, if one person is to blame, it's going to be your boss, right? She just looks, especially towards the end, she looked so tired, you know. And I could I could I can get that. You've been through this before. There's people giving you shit about stuff, and all she's tried to do is. And I'm not saying she's perfect, and I'm not saying that I'm not wrong, and she hasn't done a bunch of stuff. This is just my interpretation, but. It's like all of her content has been to uplift people, bring joy to the world. She's done that. It's been a very, very positive impact on the world and she just gets shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can't make an album without breaking a few eggs, right? I feel like. It, you, you say the most old one. man things. That literally sounds like something my grandpa would say. If he's alive, well, you can't make an album without breaking no eggs. You said it yourself. Some you people are be- not good enough. You ain't exposed enough. We don't know which one it is. Exactly. You can't have like the biggest show ever and then, you know, not piss off a few people sure. along the way. Right. James Corden's going through the same thing right now. And in the public eye, he seems like the nicest guy ever, but apparently not so much. I don't know. Is he the one who the waiter got upset yeah. with him? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. That's pretty crazy. So are we, are we done with career? Anything else about that? No, I mean, her career, her career is pretty simple. Like after the, once you got her show. Oh, it's pretty simple. She some award shows. She she was on Idol for a season. You know what I mean? But essentially she, uh, yeah, she just, she had a a great show and she was consistent the entire way until the end when everyone started hating her. But other than that, where is she now? I think the only notable thing, several notable things, she's obviously written a couple of books. She's an executive producer. She has her own production company. She's a really big activist right now for animal rights and obviously gay rights. Really cool. She got the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2016 from Barack Obama um, for her contribution to the arts. And if you have not watched that on YouTube, please do yourself a fave and Google that. It's beautiful. She cries. I cry. It's just a beautiful, (laughs) beautiful thing. Um, And then her idol, one thing we didn't mention, she really idolized uh, Carol Burnett, Lucille Ball, et cetera. But in 2020, the Golden Globes, she was presented an honorary Carol Burnett Award for Excellence in Television. So with all the controversy, with all the stuff that she's been through, she's also been highly honored and um, has so freaking much to be proud of. I wanted to mention she's Okay, clearly has a great career as an entertainer, and it's lovely. And a lot of entertainers have had a great career, but she's like not all of them leave a legacy. And I think she's mm. changed the narrative of culture. She's basically a pioneer. We sort of talked about that earlier with 
Shania, where you don't realize it at the time, but she almost changed the industry, an industry, right? So hundred percent. Exactly. So I think there's a, there's a lot of people who have Ellen to thank. Representation <clears throat> is huge. Just being able to see and hear from people who look like you, act like you, believe in you, or believe like you, whatever. Even these just small little things. I think she was a great example of selfish, selflessly um, sharing. She was so selfish. Uh, <laughs> sharing that part of her life to kind of normalize it in media where other um other people who have different sexual preferences can just be honest about it and it's not a big deal now my little girls i mean i'm not saying ellen's <laughs> i'm so glad that ellen taught my children this but i mean people like her it's my girls are growing up in a completely different world and i'm proud of that will and grace is a perfect example or even modern family like those shows Never probably wouldn't it. exist if Never ellen hadn't have, uh, done her thing i know you haven't seen it you haven't seen anything i'm just saying <laughs> Looking at her life and everything we discussed, Rory, um, and what you want to put out into this world, what are some of your takeaways? As a comedian, I can take away a lot from her career. I, I admire the fact that she, you mentioned it earlier, she did it all as a clean comic. Yep. And those are few and far between. Like, there's only a handful of comics who can like break through without swearing. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. allegations aside, like her catchphrase, at the, what was at the end of each show? It's like, be kind to one another, right? Yep. And that's sort of a mantra that I need to um, speak more of in my life. And like, I'm cordial and personable to everybody. But right, guilty, pleasure, I, I love gossip, right? I don't mind yapping behind people's backs. And I hate that quality about myself. And when I do it, maybe it's how I was raised. I don't know what the hell. I, I just, I want, like, I wouldn't want people doing that to me, right? So I didn't know that about you. You've never gossiped to me. I guess we don't know anything. Maybe people. I don't gossip as much as I just, like, guiltily love hearing gossip. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean? I don't have any for you ever, so I need to guess. I need to come up with something. I don't know, but remember the old <laughs> saying: like if you have nothing nice to say, you don't say anything at all. I'm working on it. All right, I just really? yeah. Interesting. So be kind to one okay. another. Is, be is kind. Um, you don't have to cuss to be funny, Rory. Anything else? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I think. I want to acknowledge the gap between her coming out and the talk show. That was a serious gap where she didn't know if her career was ever going to be the same again. She's spoken extensively on that before. And I know I feel like everything is so final all the time without realizing that time, sometimes time is the answer and I'm in a rush. Her career, although we covered it in like 50 minutes really, really fast, um, she's like in her 60s now, right? I mean, this has been a long-ass time in the making and a lot of work and a lot of gaps. And I have to remember that, that to be patient and when bad things happen, that it's not the end of you. Uh, I think she's a great example of that. And I think on a, a lighter note, I mean, you know me, I'm in my body and all that, and I really feel like my comedic stuff is less punchliney and more embodiment. Watching her stuff and seeing the way that she approaches comedy, I get in my head a lot where I think I have to go stand on stage and be like, well, one time I was at the mall and I ran into this person and this person and then the third person, something funny happens. And that's not me. Right. And I don't have to be. So Ellen, Ellen's a great example of that. So oh, also yeah. I like women. Yeah. I she I was, makes me want to like women. <laughs> this entire conversation, I was looking for an appropriate punchline for that, and I just I, I would offend someone, so I just I just I stayed away from it. Well, I I went there, so go ahead.
<laughs> so you like uh, so you take from Ellen that I want to okay I got another question for you this is just another topic of so she went she she was had one of the biggest TV shows this is before when she came out of the closet on the sitcom so she had one of the biggest sitcoms mm. on TV at that time top of the world and then nothing for five years mm -hmm. uh where, where would you be in that scenario would you give up like forget the entertainment business i'm now going to be a chartered accountant i don't know what i would do i think one good thing to remember from that is you're not going to make anyone happy because she even said that when she started getting all the publicity about it i think it was elton john he got came out with a statement that said something about okay ellen you're gay we we just want you to be funny Kind of like you're you're making all this hoo-ha about you being gay. Nobody cares. We just want you to be funny. And she kind of was really hurt about that because he was somebody in the gay community. Instead of supporting her, he kind of was frustrated with her too. And so I think if I were in that situation, it would be hard for me, and I'm sure it was for her, to separate yourself from what everybody else was saying and be secure in that because our tendency is to try to get everybody to accept us. I know what it is. Well, okay, so so Elton John is older than Ellen is. He's been around a lot longer in the entertainment industry, but he, he never officially came out as public as she did. Mm -hmm. But had he had his second album had been called Elton John, I prefer the company of men. Do you think he would have had the career that he has today? We can see throughout history, anybody who's done anything super brave, they got shit for it for a long time, not like a week, not like a month, years. And it took another generation to recognize the contribution that they made. You see that throughout history. But the point I'm trying to make is, and again, I don't know enough about Elton John's career. I'm just using him as an example, but did he experience a lot of rejection? Same with uh, Queen. I like I think, I think people like the, the band is called Queen. Like, what is what red flag do you need as far as is he or is he not homosexual? I had but, no idea Queen was gay. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it didn't. <laughs> what I can see from you know the movies, I suppose, like it didn't really affect the the fans. They 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 still absorb their music. They still play big shows. They're what still, are you getting at? You're trying to say that you should, everybody should just moved on? Do you, okay, let's just say hypothetically she did not come out of the closet. How do you think her career would be different today? She would be in more movies called Mr. Wrong, but it would have a whole different connotation. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, that's a lot of hypotheticals, man. I, I, I don't know what could have happened or would have happened. I think, and I don't know why Elton John didn't get criticism. Maybe he did. I, I, I have no idea. All I know is like this industry and trying, well, I mean, hell trying to make anything there's so much stuff out of your control and i think that's what gets so frustrating is you can do what you said earlier get good enough get exposed and all that and it can still be taken away from you and there's some things that just happen and so it's like we have to get really really comfortable with ourselves and who we are because in a moment we could be flying high and then crash period i'm depressed like this i'm getting very depressed me too. Let's end on this note. <laughs> What's going on in your own career ambition right now? What did I fail at last week? Um, I feel like mine is like the I, I, same as it was a, a week ago or two weeks ago. It's just I, I'm I've got way too much on my plate right now, and as a result, I'm not giving enough time to like any one particular thing. I'm just crossing things off a list, and it, so I don't have 
it's like quantity over quality, which is which is not really a good thing to do in the creative space. Is this just a season, or do you think there's some things that you need to let go of? I think you need to get both. Mm. Yeah. What do you want? What is what do you want? I know you say you're doing what you want, blah blah blah. Okay, but for real, for real, like let's say next year X Y Z happens, like what would be like an ideal situation for you? Do you want to be like a touring? comedian do you want to show do you want a big following on social and be able to leverage that and stay at home i mean like what's your kind of dream scenario i think consistency as an entertainer but like being able to sell hard tickets would be a goal of mine mm-hmm. uh, i perform right now as much as i want to perform but a lot of those aren't ticket sales they're they're like corporate events where there's already an established audience there so if i had the control to to sell tickets to my own shows, like, you know, an arena or something like that. That would be, that would be a goal. But in order to do that, I've got to establish a bigger fan base and we're slowly but surely getting there. I had this conversation recently that it's, uh, you, you, you almost, let's say you wanted to succeed as a, as a performing artist or comedian, you have to almost do things that are comedy adjacent in order to establish the audience. Ellen would be a perfect example of this where she was a comedian. And a great stand-up comic, but no one knew who she was until she got the Ellen Show, or or the Tonight Show, or or you know. So it's it's those comedy adjacent things. I, I I know I'm a funny person, but it's what is today's equivalent of the Tonight Show? I have some friends who have uh, gigantic followings on social media, and they use that to leverage ticket sales. So am I am I consistently working at that? Am I consistently trying to find whatever? today's version of the tonight show is like where where can i get my uh exposure so that i can determine whether uh, i have the talent to back it up mine is on a similar realm and we've talked about this before where our followings are pretty modest right now and it's like how do you grow that and for me i know i'm not putting out enough of my own work like material and i'm not talking necessarily just like sketch comedy but i'm not sitting down and actually a lot of the stuff i put out is like repurposed or regurgitated things, trying to advertise different stuff that I'm doing or whatever, as opposed to like sitting down and making things and putting it out. And I do not do that enough. So it's like my biggest failure as of late is I'll maybe put out like maybe one original video a week on a good week, um, usually every other week. And that's just ridiculous for somebody who says they want to do what I want to do. That's um, sort of where I was talking about earlier. It's like it's just, it yeah. takes a lot of effort to create something new out of the hair. So to to act like or to make it look like we're busy and doing stuff, we're repurposing old stuff, which isn't exactly pushing the needle. Boom. So we got to level up, Rory. Go get some sleep, rest up, grab your milk, and let's go. Grab your milk. Okay, so let's okay. We'll just, we'll do our New Year's resolution right now. It is what the two weeks before the holiday season. Let's just finish this oh season God. right now. Of like, all right, let's repurpose stuff for the next two or three weeks. January first, we will create new things. F January first. <laughs> I don't want to create new things right now. Hey, thanks for listening to Celebrity Self-Help. Please leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think about the show. And we're also on Instagram at Celeb Self-Help. You can always send us a message and let us know who we should cover next.